1: Welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets Podcast, your non-stop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait!
0: T-minus two weeks until the NFL Draft. Welcome into the Can't Wait Podcast. I'm Tim McMaster along with the Athletics Jets reporter Connor Hughes and our producing extraordinaire Marissa Morris. Great show lined up. Dane Brugler, the master of the draft, is going to join us. Connor doing that interview actually previously. Um, that'll be good. And then we also, his his beast guide is out. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Justin Fields, second pro day today as well. Uh, please subscribe to us on YouTube or on Apple, wherever you get the podcast. Give us a five-star rating and review as well. Uh, <laughs> the reason we're starting a little bit late today is because- Not Connor. Of
2: not yeah, Connor. True, Shockingly. True, but not really
0: anybody. Not it's just, Connor. It's just computers. So just to let you know what's going on right now, <laughs> Connor did the interview with Dane Bruegler earlier this afternoon. It's really good. We're going to get to it. Uh, but in order to use it on YouTube, we need to export the video, which has been a bit of a challenge. Marissa is currently exporting. Efforting. If you If you can hear the buzzing noise, that's her computer working really <laughs> hard to export this video. Once it's exported, we are going to run it on the show, hopefully. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to plenty of other topics before that. Connor, it is a good interview though, right?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, well, we'll start with this. We need to get Marissa a new computer. So we need, like, I think you're you're working on what, like, a MacBook Air, trying to get her is, a microphone. Is that what you're on. You it's get a MacBook Pro?
1: Pro. It's a MacBook Pro. Yeah, but from Pro. what year?
2: Like, not like, did you get in when the athletic was still giving us computers? Were you in on yes. that?
1: Yes, yeah so I, all right so here's the a problem a nice you're a podcast
2: producer yeah i'm sure it's a nice computer. i just a have so Pro, many so
1: files i'm a digital
2: hoarder and i have yes and you got like it's like it's like a yeah. like, like a 50 gig computer like i know what yeah. one you've got like it would be fine yeah. if you were a, a a reporter where all you're using is wordpress all the time you're, you're like this is bull like I, you're <laughs> a producer of like 12 podcasts what you should have at a minimum is an <laughs> imac that is souped up to do this kind of work or a Mac mini. And then you can connect your own monitor that is souped up to do that kind of work. This company, like we're, we're million subs or something like that. Like take, you know, like 20 of those subs and, and get Marissa a damn computer here. Like I'm serious, like a computer and a mic. That's what I'm starting the movement for. I'm starting a movement <laughs> to get Marissa a new computer so that we don't have this issue anymore. And we don't need, it doesn't sound like she's leaving from NASA right now. Like we, we still have like that. And a new mic. We need a mic for Marissa, and we need a new computer for Marissa. If you're going to give her 25,000 podcasts to produce and no help, we're giving her a new computer. That's the least we can do. All right. Well, just, you, you, know
1: what? you know what the chat's in need for? They need a new quarterback, so they're dying to know.
0: Marissa's trying to not get me fired. I'm trying Marissa to get the star button. Deflecting <laughs> the conversation. Nicely done, Marissa. All right, let's get on to the quarterback who, you know, We'll get into uh, to Dane's mock draft as well, which came out today, his latest one. I kind of talked to him a lot about that, which currently still has Zach Wilson at number two to the Jets. But today was Justin Fields' second pro day, which has become the new cool thing to do, I guess, in the NFL um, in a pandemic. One pro day is not enough. Have everybody come on back out for more. This one a little bit different than Mac Jones, he had a second pro day with all the bells and whistles. But Justin Fields today was kind of weird behind closed doors, not on NFL Network or anything like that. And limited attendance. The Jets were there. The Niners were there. The Falcons were there. So there's number two, three, four in the draft. Carolina, despite trading for Sam Darnold, was there. Detroit was there. Denver was there. They're the one team that's the obvious. We still need a quarterback. And the Patriots were there. So those were the attendees. Connor, why was this one in your mind like different than the way other quarterbacks have kind of done this?
2: Well, it's just like I think what people need to remember is that this isn't uncommon. Like like the whole quote unquote second pro day. That's not that's not uncommon. Like normally what quarterbacks have is they have their their, they show out at the NFL combine. Then they have their pro day. But in a normal world, they would then have private workouts. Like when the Jets were, for example, like after the Jets had drafted like the Jets had a private workout with Christian Hackenberg at Penn state the next year they had Deshaun Watson and Trubisky and all those people in their building for a private visit where they threw them through and they worked them out there with their own coaches. I mean, this is pretty common, but in the, the, with, with us, not necessarily through, uh, the dark era that is COVID. I mean, you don't really have right now in-person visits still like, like that doesn't really happen anymore in-person workouts. So, Basically what this is, is that this is an opportunity for every single team that wanted a second look at fields to go get a second look at fields. They can send three different people than the three people they sent previously. They can see him do some different things. They can talk to his quarterback coach and his coach and say, hey, look, we saw fields do this, this and this at the pro day our offense does this, this, and this. Is there any way that you could put him through these workouts so we can see what he looks like in it? You know, it's the same thing that they did with Mac Jones, where, where they wanted to see him do some different, like, play action and under under the center stuff, and they wanted him to see some different things. Um, in my opinion, though, no. I, I don't think that this impacts any of that at all in, in terms of, like, the Jets draft plans because – the pro days, I mean, it's like it's it's fun to watch and they've become now televised because the NFL, if nothing else, is like this massive media entertainment force where they have managed to make events that are not interesting, events that really aren't all that intriguing, an entire spectacle. I mean, the NFL combine is a bunch of guys in shorts like running drills and it's like one of the top rated events on television now, whenever it's on. And now they're starting to go from, okay, we've monetized and managed to sell the combine. Let's try to monetize and sell the pro days. And that's why you're now starting to see all of these players' pro days nationally. You know, they've got a play by play and a color commentator doing um, coverage of Zach Wilson's BYU pro day. But, and it's fun for fans to watch. It's fun to see Zach Wilson like scramble out in the right and chuck it 75 yards down the field. But, What's more important about these pro days, what's more important about these certain situations is that it kind of just gives you more time with the player. It gives you a chance to talk to the player, gets you a chance to see the player in person, gets you a chance to be more upfront and and with them. And that was specifically more important this year because there was no NFL combine. So that's what made these important. It wasn't necessarily about seeing Zach Wilson complete passes down the field against air. That doesn't matter. I mean, the the actual throws and the actual on-field work I mean, yeah, it was cool to see him have the performance he did. It would have maybe been a little surprising if he was, like, missing targets left, right, and sideways. But the film that the Jets are going to analyze, the film that the Jets are going to break down, it's not what they saw Zach Wilson or Justin Fields do in a scripted workout. It's what he did against – it's what Zach Wilson did, you know, in in any of his games this year. It's what he did against UCF or what Fields did against Clemson or Alabama. I mean, it's what they do in these games. So – with pro days, the actual on-field work, it's it's what people want to watch, it's what people want to see. But the real value of it is when you get to talk to the guys and you get to see the medicals and you get to work, you know, kind of see them in person and things like that. So Fields having a second pro day was probably more about just if for teams are really considering getting them an, another batch of players to work to to get another eye on them, another batch of players to talk with them, you know, send three different coaches, you know, because when the Jets Went and saw, like, for example, Zach Wilson first. They had LaFleur, Sala, and Joe Douglas because you could only send three people because of the COVID restrictions. Well, if Zach Wilson had a second pro day, the Jets could send three different people. Maybe they send, you know, quarterbacks coach, running backs coach, this guy, the scouting director. I mean, they can send a million different people to get now different people getting eyes on him, getting people seeing him. It's the same thing with fields where the Jets can now send three different people there. The 49ers can send three different people there. I will say the same thing that I said after the Jets traded Sam Darnold. I'll say the same thing that I said when we talked about Zach Wilson right after his pro day and if he had showed enough where you know the, the Jets were going to pick him. There's a 99.999% chance that Zach Wilson's going to be the Jets quarterback. There is nothing that, that and again, it wasn't televised, so we didn't see it in person, but there's nothing that Justin Fields could have done it as pro day today to change that because their evaluations are pretty much complete. I mean, they've seen all the film that they can see. I mean, they've gone back and watched every throw these kids have made in high school and college. Then their pro days. They've talked to them. They've watched them. I mean, there's nothing that's going to shake this up. There's nothing that's going to change this. I mean, Zach Wilson is going to be the Jets quarterback. Zach Wilson is the no doubt number two quarterback in this year's draft. And, and I think that this, this pro day was more about getting another look and an extended opportunity for the teams that are picking three, four, five, six and back. And the teams that might be looking to trade up because the 49ers right now, they might like Mac Jones. They might like Trey Lance. Well, they still want to see Justin Fields again. And the same thing with the Falcons, you know, if the Falcons are there, do they view Justin Fields as, as a no doubt franchise quarterback where let's draft him, Let's put him in the same quarterback room as Matt Ryan, have them work together for a year. Then we can trade Matt Ryan. And we now have our quarterback for the next 10 years after having Matt Ryan for the previous 10 years. So, I think it's more about that. I would I would be stunned if the Jets did not Zach, draft Zach Wilson. I still see him as the perfect fit within this offense, the perfect fit within this scheme. And I just don't know how you don't go that way. I really don't. And, and Tim, I mean, look, we talked about it because when the Jets drafted or when the Jets hired Robert Saleh, I wrote a story where I talked to several people around the league, a couple people over in, in the NFC West that were tasked with, analyzing his defense and the 49ers offense so that they could help the Seattle Seahawks build a defense and build an offense that could counteract it and beat it. And that obviously meant the Kyle Shanahan offense, which Michael floor is going to bring here to the jets. That offense wants a quarterback that can play outside of the pocket, not necessarily run like Lamar, but I've said this before not run like Lamar, but get outside the pocket and make throws on the run. Somebody who is deadly accurate, somebody that is elusive and can throw off platforms, Somebody that, when the run game doesn't necessarily work, because this is going to be a, an offense that wants to run the ball and build off the play action, but when the run game isn't there, can stand tall within the pocket and attack down the field. That's literally the Zach Wilson scouting report. So when you have all of these things acting in the favor, you have the the personality that matches, the the health that is no longer a concern, the play that obviously is there, the comparisons to Mahomes and, and, and uh, Aaron Rodgers and the way that he can throw the ball and contort his body and still make accurate plays. The pick is going to be Zach Wilson. The, the draft for the Jets starts at number 23 or if they decide to move up or if they decide to trade back. That's where this draft starts. It doesn't start at number two. Their card's in. The moment they evaluated him and realized Zach Wilson's a franchise quarterback, the moment they checked off all the red flags with with uh, potential injury history and they were good with his personality and all that, it was Zach Wilson. It's Trevor Lawrence one, Zach Wilson two, and then the draft starts after that.
0: The other reason that this pro day was never going to have an effect on the Jets is because if you just look right pro day, you want to maybe see the the negatives too. And if you look at the criticism of Justin Fields over the course of the season, it's when he gets pressured. It's when it's, mm. it's never been about his uh, body, his speed, his, you know, his uh, his leadership ability, his throwing arm. It's, it's never been that it's been when the defense pressures him, the decisions he makes, um, and that kind of thing, which you're just never going to get from a pro day.
2: Exactly. I mean, again, and the, the other thing to remember about pro days, too, and why look, they, like, it's almost like a trick shot competition. Like it's about like, let's see, like who can throw the ball the farthest. Like, it's cool. It's fun to watch. Like, don't get me wrong. Like these guys are I mean, there's there's probably 20 people in the world that are really good at playing quarterback, like the entire world, the entire country. There are 20. On the professional level that are actually good and there are 20 that can do some of the things that these people are able to or these guys are able to do with a football and it's fun to watch them go out there roll left throw across their body 55 yards down the field on the money i mean it's fun to watch that but it's also one thing to do that when you're doing it against air to a receiver in a scheme and a system and a setting that you've practiced the last three months doing i mean every throw of zach wilson and justin fields pro day were scripted. All 60 of them, they were ironed out with the same receivers, the same quarterback coach in the same setting. They had worked on them over and over and over again, where they were able to do that in their sleep. And it was designed to make the quarterback look as good as humanly possible. And there were certain things that obviously Zach Wilson can do that Justin Fields can't. And there are things that Justin Fields can do that Zach Wilson can't. You saw some of those in that pro day, but the actual throws on the pro day it's it's fun to watch and it's cool to see and it's cool to make highlights and tweet them out you saw trevor lawrence go you know with the eyeball emoji and say like wow and people reacting to it and and you know it's fun because look it's the off season nothing's happening if you're not watching baseball or basketball like this is the only football you can put into your veins to like get you that same high so i i think that it's like yeah it's fun to watch it's fun to see and you want to see them throw better than not throw better but it's not something where it's like this is going to be the be-all and end-all. This is going to be the deciding factor as the Jets draft him. I mean, the Jets wanted to get there so they could get the medicals crossed off, so they could get any personality red flags crossed off and knows this is our guy. And once Zach Wilson crossed the medical things off the off the, the issues, once he okayed everything with the personality, it was Zach Wilson. It's going to be Trevor Lawrence one, Zach Wilson two, and that's where we're going to go from here. And, and I think it's the good pick. I mean, like, obviously, look. Todd Todd Bowles coined it perfectly. The the NFL draft is an educated crapshoot. No one freaking knows. But everything I see on Zach Wilson, everyone I talk to about Zach Wilson, I mean, he looks like somebody you want to invest in. He's somebody you want to believe in. I mean, another reporter who I'm close with had talked to a scout recently who said, you know, he's like a, a wannabe Baker Mayfield, you know, all the way down to the headband and the way that he plays the game, the way that he looks, the way that he acts. Obviously, Zach's a little bit bigger than Baker, but is that such a bad thing? I mean, Baker Mayfield's a good player. Like, yeah, there's some concerns with him, but... He's got that that tenacity and, and that personality that is infectious with his teammates. So yeah, it's going to piss off opponents. Who cares if the opponents are pissed off? It's the same type of personality that's going to get your teammates just raring to go and ready to go. He has kind of those, you know, I think Zach's probably a little bit better off platform than Baker is. And I think Zach has a stronger arm, but they're both very accurate. So the Jets can take that. And the other thing to remember here. Is that the Jets are in a position or they think they're in a position with a general manager who's actually going to surround the quarterback with talent. He's going to give him weapons. He's going to give him an offensive line. He's got a draft pick, war chest, that he can really ground out and build this roster. It's just a matter of him now doing it. So I I I know the Zach, I know the Jets are there at the Zach Wilson Pro or the Justin Fields Pro Day. They're they're going to be represented well there. If if Zach Wilson has another one, they'll be there. I mean, it's just what they're going to do the rest of this way because they're in the market for a quarterback. They're clearly drafting a quarterback. But overall, no, I, I don't think this changes anything. I I said it was ninety nine point nine percent that they were taking Zach Wilson after Zach Wilson's pro day. I said it after they traded Sam Darnold, and I'm saying it now that that you know you want you want to get a jersey. The only question you're, you you got to wonder is is what number is going to be on it? Like, is it going to be number one, or is it going to be some other? If he's going to go number two, for oh, I was the second pick in the draft, or something like that. But it's going to be Zach Wilson.
0: Oh, it's going to be number one. We all know that, right? It's got to be
2: number oh. one. Oh. Um, Yes. And he looks badass, by the way. I said this like somebody tweeted out like a Photoshop of Zach in like all his Jets gear. Look, I'm not, it means nothing in the grand scheme of things, but that dude knows how to swag up his uniform, man. Like where he's got like, he's a glove away from a creative player. I mean, because he's got the visor, he's got the number one, he's got the tight sleeves and like the one full arm, but then the, I mean, the guy knows how to look the, I mean, he looks bad. He's probably the most badass looking Jets quarterback ever i think it might be ever. i'm trying to think going back like since like uniform thing like i because christian hackenberg didn't really look all that cool it, uh darnold never really darnold's like arm sleeves and half sleeves they just look yeah, weird the arm but, like, sleeves are bad yeah. yeah he's gonna look the part and if he's number one like that's like next level like he's really like he's gonna look cool like, like you're gonna have kids all around like the Florham park long island new york area that are like gonna start dressing for their high school games looking like zach wilson because he like the kid looks cool like that, like I saw him in the uniform. Like he looks like every Madden creative player I've ever made. Like it, it's like, all he's missing is the glove. He just needs the glove on the left hand that he said. Before you go to the next read, I do have to address this in the comment section because people are like on my ass right now where I said that uh, Joe, uh, Zach Wilson it was probably the the coolest looking Jets quarterback ever. Obviously, Joe Namath is the swaggiest quarterback that has ever existed. But like, well, but, Joe but more played, off the field, right? I was going to bring yes. up Joe Namath, but
0: he was well, you he didn't know, have the, the, equipment the fur options. coat. Yeah, yes.
2: Exactly. Yes. There's yes. no denying that he is the coolest, swaggiest Jets quarterback that's ever walked the earth. He's one of the coolest, swaggiest quarterbacks that's ever lived, ever. But I'm talking about from a, a recent, since like current day and age, equipment is like, like, they didn't have all these sweatbands and armbands and tinted visors and number, like, they didn't have that back in the 60s and 70s that they have now. So that's what I'm talking about. Like, the equipment that Zach Wilson has it is, to, I'm sure if Namath had the same equipment available at his disposal as Zach Wilson did, he would look exactly the same and be just as cool. But in a current day and age, like, he looks cooler than any other Jets quarterback I remember in terms of like the equipment that he wears. That's what I meant. So stand down, everyone, and like, stop trying to like chop off my head. all right welcome in can't wait jets podcast special guest here dane brugler uh dane obviously we've had you on this show countless times you've provided therapy to jet fans you've provided optimism to jet fans at at times when they've kind of needed it the most um you were honestly the first person that i heard talk and and reference zach wilson to the jets at number two it sure looks like that's going to happen so uh, I know we're going to break down your your podcast, or not your podcast, but your mock draft here that you just turned out for us. Um, before we get to that, though, this is the first time we've had you on since Zach had his pro day, since the college season has kind of come to an end, since it sure does look like he's going to be the pick for the Jets. So just as you've seen this evaluation come to a close with Wilson, I mean, just kind of final thoughts on him as uh, as the quarterback that it sure looks like the Jets are going to take here at number two.
1: You know, it was fun talking with you guys throughout the fall and uh, kind of the uh, you know the trajectory of this quarterback class. You know, we knew about Trevor Lawrence obviously um, for a while. It looked like you know with the Jets maybe picking number one, that could be the guy. But then uh, you know we also talked about Justin Fields, and then Zach Wilson emerges uh, midway through last season as okay, this guy's legit. Like this is a guy it went from, okay, first round and okay, top 10. And then is is he the second best quarterback in this class? And somewhere between, you know, right around Thanksgiving. I think Thanksgiving is when I came out with my first mock of the year and I had him as my number two quarterback. And, you know, it was not a very well-received projection at that (laughs) point. But I think as time has gone on, people have really, uh, you know, the more they see of Zach Wilson, the more they're like, okay, yeah, there's something to this player. Um, you know, whether you see flashes of an, of an Aaron Rodgers or a Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, wh- whatever you see, you see that there's something there with, with this player. And for me, it was all about the off platform stuff, the accuracy, um, what really to boil it. down, obviously we could talk for hours about this, but what really boils down for me, the difference between uh, Zach Wilson and then Trey Lance and Justin Fields is the how spontaneous he is with his decision making. Um, and more often not than not, he's right. He's accurate. He's spot on. So uh, that's what really separates the two or, or the three. Uh, when you look at these quarterbacks, uh, he goes to his pro day, checks all the boxes, mm-hmm. does everything you want to see, comes in over 6'2, which is what we thought 214 pounds, what we thought not ideal size, but not different than what we thought he would be. So uh, I, I thought he, if he worked out, he would have shown he's a pretty pretty good athlete. He just throws and he threw the ball pretty well. So, uh, you know, I I texted or I tweeted this at the time, but I had a scout uh, text me from the pro day and say, all right, lock it up. Uh, The draft starts at three because Wilson's going number two. And here we are. We're we're two weeks away. And it, it sure seems like that's the most likely outcome to happen
2: um just real quick one before we get to uh get to your mock draft because I, I know I mean look we talk about the beast which is obviously the the draft guide that you send out which is probably in my opinion I think it's the best one that's out there I mean it's so unbelievably detailed in terms of obviously the stuff you'd expect from a draft guide the strengths the weaknesses you know that kind of a stuff the measurables the stats but I love the background that you're able to go in on guys and, and as a as a reporter or someone that's trying to find potential stories I mean there's little tidbits in there all over the place that are like oh that might be a feature that might be a feature, but. For you to follow that up, which I think came out late last week or last week, to then a full seven-round mock draft, I mean, I I don't know how you get sleep. I don't know if you sleep. I don't know if, like, I mean, we're only, like, shoulder width up. I don't know if there's a a main line of caffeine into one of your arms right now, but um, before we get to that seven-round mock draft, which is super enlightening, great, Um, obviously, like I said, with how plugged you are, how plugged in you are, it's, it's definitely something that's worth taking a look at, but... Last note on Wilson is is obviously the most valuable part probably of a rookie quarterback is you get him on that rookie quarterback contract. Um, obviously, that only matters if that quarterback's on the field. When you look at Zach, obviously, a lot of things can change between now and then, and you got to see how he looks in camp and things like that. Uh, but is he a guy that you think has potential like week one starting capability? Like, is he advanced enough in that regard? And, and assuming his acclimation isn't significantly worse than some expect, is he a guy that could be on the field week one for, for the Jets? I think so, um, and yep. we don't know what you know what
1: the off is going to look like necessarily just yet. So you know, getting your hands on him for the coaches, obviously that's really important. Um, mm-hmm. And so we don't know necessarily what training camp is going to look like, and you know the usual off season calendar with uh, with mini camps and um, all these workouts. So, uh, but he's going to get the playbook uh, you know, about five minutes after he's drafted, and you know he, he's after he you know twenty four hours of soaking in being uh you know a high draft pick it's time to get to work and i think that you know he has the mentality where i think that he's going you know it's going to new york is, is kind of it's a big deal obviously and i think he's he's the type of personality um that is going to stay ahead of things and so i think he's going to be in position if you're the jets you don't you don't predetermine who's your week one starter is you don't make yeah. that decision you know, we hear that all the time when uh, some quarterbacks are drafted and you know, you know, we'll, he'll be a backup first. And then we want to you know, keep him on the sideline for a little. Don't predetermine it. Go to tra- yeah. go to training camp. Let training camp determine that. And so, yeah, I, I think there's a good chance Zach Wilson
2: is, uh, you know, could be the starter from week one. All right. So let's uh, let's dive in now to your mock. And and before actually we get to it, how long does it actually take you to piece this thing together? I mean, I know how long it takes me just to do a normal seven round Jets mock. When you're doing a seven <laughs> round for every damn team. I mean, how long does it take you to put this thing together?
1: Uh, quite a bit and i mean i really got started when uh you know i was finishing up the beast and sending files to the editors and um you know at a certain point i'm waiting for files to come back and so it gave me a chance to get started on on the seven-round mock because like i'm not going to do a seven-round mock and just throw names out there i'm trying to really pay attention to draft trends and not just okay well the Jets need A, B, C, D, and then, okay, so top need is, uh, you know, pass rusher. So that's where we're going in the first round, in the corner, and that's where we're going in the second round, you know, whatever. Uh, that's just not how it works. That's not how the real draft yeah. works. It's all about value. It's all about certain uh, decision-makers looking at certain positions differently. Um, so trying to keep track of all that with, you know, each GM and each organization, try to do it the best I can. It's not, you know, when I do a seven-round mock, it's not going to be – the ideal seven rounds for all teams. That's just not realistic. What I try to do is just try to make it as, as real as possible. And so it, it, yeah. it, it does take a little bit of time, but at the end of the day, it, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy with how it turned out. Obviously it's not about accuracy because all it's going to take is one trade that screws up everything. And everything yeah. So yeah, it, it's, you know, it, it's not going to happen the way I, I laid it out, but I, I still want to try and do a, a realistic scenario as possible. It honestly is beneficial to me because it, it keeps me thinking about, you know, all these different possibilities that we'll be talking about between the, between now and, and draft weekend. So yeah. I, I really find it a useful exercise.
2: So I know you had mentioned the tweet that you had sent out from, from the scout that you got. You know, the draft starts at three. I, I think for the Jets, the draft starts in the second round. Or I should say with that second first round pick, number 23, <laughs> because it's going to be Zach Wilson at two. Obviously, number three, they can go a number of different directions. You have them go an edge rusher. And I know a lot of people have have I've – we've mentioned that before, the possibility of going edge with that second first-round pick. A lot of people have said, no, they have needs here. They even needs there. All you got to do is look towards what San Francisco did from 2015, I think, through 19, where they drafted four defensive linemen in the first round. Defensive tackles ends everyone. I mean, and all of them played a big role in 2019. You have the Jets going edge. They haven't had a dominant edge rusher in a while. They hope Carl Lawson's won another one on the other side though let's let's uh hear the breakdown there at number
1: 23. Well yeah what's the most important position on the roster? Quarterback what's second most important? I you can make the argument that it is pass rusher it's, it's the guys that affect the quarterback on the other side so uh the, the chance to add and it's not like you know the Jets are going to go into this saying okay edge rusher is the goal at 23. No it, you, you see how the first 22 picks play out and you let the draft fall to you if Maybe maybe they are looking at uh, Auduary as uh, being the guy. And if, but if he goes off the board at 21, then all of a sudden you look at, OK, maybe Greg Newsom is someone we're thinking about here. Maybe it's Landon Dickerson. Uh, you know, you 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 don't predetermine which position you're taking. here. You have a, a list of probably five, six guys that you'd be comfortable with and a good chance one of them will be there. Uh, for me, when you look at Audu Larry, I, he to me, he's the pa- best pass rusher in the draft. He's only 20 years old. He's coming off a season where he led the SEC in sacks, tackles for loss, horse fumbles. Uh, you love the get off. You love his burst, his ability to corner. He's really instinctive. So it's not like, you know, he's just a, a one trick pony here. He understands how to play the run. Um, and he for a guy that's 6'2, 250, so just on the hoof, he does not look like a big guy. He has 34 and a half inch arms. Mm-hmm. So he has the arm length uh, of a guy that's 6'5. So I don't know that the size is necessarily a concern here. I think you, you know, you you want to plug him into that that defense that the Jets are gonna be putting out there. You've got a disruptive uh edge rusher who has yet to play his best football and has a chance to learn from Carl Lawson, some other players on that on that team, that coaching staff. I love the fit there for Roger Larry, uh with the Jets in the first round.
2: Bryce Hall and and Bless Austin are the two Jets starting corners right now. If the season were start today, obviously that can't be the case. Week one, they they've got to add to to that room. Uh in the second round, you have Asante Samuel Jr., who obviously his uh you, you made reference of it in your in your draft. I mean, he tormented Jet fans for a while when he was with uh with New England. And then when he went to Philadelphia, he tormented the Jets' uh next door neighbors and the Giants. And so you have his son Asante Samuel jr Florida State cornerback going to them at number two certainly fills a void um obviously this this robert solid defense is probably going to be very um zone heavy so so just kind of is he is he player like is he kind of a guy who can play man end zone i mean where does he fit in your opinion and what kind of a player is he obviously because i know some have him going in the first round so the jets can get him in the two that's a that's a pretty quality value pick.
1: You, you could make the argument he might be, uh, you know, the first or second best zone corner in the draft. Um, you know, he's that type of talent. Uh, he played a lot of man, but I, his best football came when he was playing zone at Florida State. Uh, I think all three of his picks this past year uh, in 2020 in eight games, I think all three of them came when he was playing zone coverage. So um, you're talking about a team captain, a uh, player is 21 years old. Uh, you know, he led the team in interceptions last year. There's a lot to like about Samuel and – the athlete that he is, which it shows on tape. And it also, he backed it up at his pro day, uh, ran a, in the four threes, uh, under seven seconds in the three pound, not the biggest guy, you know, he's 5'10, 180 pounds. Uh, and you know, maybe that, that could be a sticking point. But when you talk about the athleticism, um, you know, his, his bloodlines, uh, I mean, just like his dad, you know, he, he trusts his skills. He's a very heady player. And so, you know, it's easy to look at maybe a smallish frame and, you kind of overlook him a little bit, but he's twitched up. He's a good athlete, and you love his FBI, his football intelligence. So there's a lot that Asante Samia is going for him. And I, I think when you're looking at that second round, if say like they, it plays out quarterback, edge rusher in the first, that second round pick, uh, that second pick in the, in the second round, I think a lot of people are going to say, well, it's got to be offensive line. If a talent like this is going to be there, yeah. which corner is obviously another need on this roster – then you know it's it, it's an interesting discussion. You know if and it depends on uh, if you're the Jets, you look at okay, what are the other corners they're going to be there for us in the third yeah. round? Uh, you know how do we feel about each of these positions? Offensive line, corner, are they going to stretch? Which what's our better chance of that position being available uh, in the next round? So that factors into this decision as well. So I went corner, but I'd understand why someone you know say this has to be offensive line.
2: Yeah. Uh, speaking of offensive line, obviously you go there in the third round with, with Brady Christensen, the offensive tackle at a BYU. I mean, look, if the Jets are going to take the BYU quarterback and, and you want to make him friendly, you want to make amends for what you do and do with Darnold, why not go get his uh, blindside protector from college? So I don't know much about Brady Christensen. Obviously when you start getting into to prospects in the third, fourth, fifth round, I defer all that knowledge to you. So when you, uh, when you talk about this guy, I mean, what, what is he? Is he somebody that he's an offensive tackle? Obviously is what he listed. That's what he played at college. to see. Have the versatility to potentially kick inside if the Jets have a need there at guard. Is he somebody who's probably more? No, he's left tackle, right tackle. That's where he's best. I mean, obviously, look, the, the Jets need line help. Makai Beckton's a stud on the left side, and, and they're hopeful that George Font can can be something on the right. But if he doesn't develop, they need a right tackle. And, and this wouldn't be a bad opportunity to get someone in the farm system to develop and then kick him out as a starter in 2022 or even 23.
1: I think that he uh, can move inside and and play guard Mm -hmm. when you you watch him play, uh, his core strength, uh, the way he uses his eyes um, and the way he uses his hands, the way they're married together. I I think that he would have no problem kicking inside. And who knows? That might even be his best long term position. They might keep him inside uh, as a rookie and, you know, never move him and say, you know what, next offseason, let's go get a right tackle instead of moving him outside. And so that's something that is certainly on the table. Uh, and with Christensen, he's a little bit older. Uh, he's going to be a 25-year-old rookie. And But at the same time, that might be part of the reason why he's still available in the early third round. There's a lot yeah. of second-round grades out there on him uh, with NFL teams. And so he might not even be an option here. But if he were to fall to the early third, his age might be a part of that. Uh, we talked about, you know, Zach Wilson, how how great of a season he had. Uh, Brady Christensen, uh, in terms of offensive line play, was just as impressive. A consensus mm-hmm. All-American, uh, you know, just you rarely saw him get beat. You don't see a lot of mental mistakes with him. Um, he doesn't have ideal length. He's under that 33-inch uh, threshold that a lot of teams have, and so that's why I say maybe guard is ultimately his, mm-hmm. his best position. But he's, he's an easy player to like. He's mature. He's ready to step in from day one and compete. So uh, a lot of people speak very highly on that BYU staff of Christensen and the type of player he is, the type of person he is. And so in the early third, uh, love that pairing uh, with the Jets.
2: The first of the uh, – or I guess the first this year or the second – no, it's the second this year of the Jamal Adams picks is the one you had going in the third round, number 86, Kenneth Gainwell, uh, running back out of Memphis. Now, I know you and I were talking about this a little bit before – um, I look at the Jets running backs and and I see three guys that are okay. Like I see guys in, in Ty Johnson, who has a nice skill set. Uh, Josh Adams has a really nice skill set. Tevin Coleman has another really nice skill set for this offense. And then you look at the way that, that Shanahan ran his offense in San Francisco, he doesn't necessarily need top tier running backs to successfully run this scheme. So, in my opinion, the thought of going running back with one of those premium third round picks uh, probably don't necessarily have to do it. But in this particular player, I mean, is he a guy that the skill and the value at this spot is just, it's almost like you can't pass. I mean, we were talking about Audrey Lair. I mean, that's that guy. He's number 16 on your big board. You have him there at 23. You can't pass on that. So is this another one of those situations uh, with the running back out of Memphis? I mean, it certainly could be.
1: I mean, uh, opinions mm-hmm. are different from team to team. Yeah. You know, we don't know how the jets exactly feel about him, but there are certainly a lot of fans uh, around the league. And, it comes down to the way he affects the passing game uh he is a natural receiver Memphis would line him up outside and you know let him run routes and he would catch the ball away from his frame and uh be consistent in that respect so a lot to like with him um and what he adds to your offense I mean he's the guy that kept uh Antonio Gibson uh out at wide receiver at Memphis uh Gibson is a, a day two pick of Washington and You know, he's their, uh, you know, running back of the future. And the reason he didn't play running back was because they weren't moving him. He was just that uh, special of a player uh, at Memphis, a high school quarterback uh, who, you know, just get the ball in his hands and let him create. So I think when you look at this running back class, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, those are your top three guys. They'll be off the board somewhere in the top 40 to 45. After that, then, you know, Kenneth Gainwell, uh, definitely a guy to consider on day two. And then maybe Michael Carter, maybe Trey Sermon, uh, you know, there's just uh, you know not there's there's some other running backs on day three that I think would fit maybe this offense. Like a Chubba Hubbard, um, you know, maybe a Khalil Herbert, some other guys that on day three, you can see them going that direction. But, you know, to me, I, I think when you look at a talent like Gainwell and what he can add to your offense is an extra element as a pass catcher. That's what I'd be banking on. That's what I'd be you know, pointing to is, you know, this is the selling point. here. This is why we want to get them on our team. So, um, you know, I, I could see it both ways. Uh, kind of the same way. Uh, you know, you want to wait on running back because we've seen in this offense that you can find maybe some replacement level players uh, later on. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. But if you want to get better through the passing game and, you know, really envision the ways he can impact your offense, Kenneth Gainwell, uh, definitely a guy you want to consider there in the, in the third round.
2: We'll get into these uh, these final one, two, three, four picks for the Jets. i I got 10, so we could do this for quite a while. But going back to those first three rounds, and just one player I wanted to ask you about, uh, Wyatt Davis w- was somebody that I remember very early on had very high grades. And, and I think you mm-hmm. had him going all the way to, it was 88, right? If I'm not mistaken, I think you had him 88 or, or into the third yeah. round. Has anything happened with him that, that has seen him in your mock and in some other mocks drop out of that, that first round? Oh, he could be, you know, a, a top, 30 pick kind of something like that into now second round, third round type territory.
1: Yeah. And this is probably even like a little further than I think he'll ultimately end up being drafted. Um, I he was like 63, I think on my board. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think he's at late two, early three. Um, he's a good player. It's just the 2020 film was very up and down. And part of that, he was, he was banged up. He had a, a knee injury uh, in December. Uh, then he got hurt again, again, in the national title game against Alabama. Um, but he's a guy that when defenders were able to attack his shoulder, uh, they were able to get him, you know, uh, off his square and, you know, he would his, uh, his technique would break down and, you know, he just had a tough time reacting and recovering. So I, there, there's a lot to like about Wyatt Dims. Uh, good chance he's going to be a starter in this league and, you know, someone that if he's available in, you know, somewhere between picks 50 and say 80. To me, that's the range where I expect him to be drafted, and I think he'd be a pretty good player. So not the first-round pick that maybe we thought he could be over the summer, but still a quality player, too, as long as he's healthy, uh, is going to compete for starting reps pretty early in his career.
2: Looking at these uh, final middle-round picks, I'll give you two at a time, and then we can uh, wrap this up. Is obviously in in the fourth round after – or after the third-round pick at Kenneth Gainwell, you got the Jets in the fourth round going with Robert Hainsey, an offensive guard center out of Notre Dame. I, mean, I read your scouting report on I was like, oh, that seems like a Joe Douglas guy, versatile, team leader, captain. I mean, that, that's kind of what Joe wants. And, and then you got James Wiggins, kind of a box safety out of Cincinnati in the fifth round, followed by Ben Mason, a fullback out of Michigan. Um, obviously, Mason makes a lot of sense because Uchek was the guy in San Francisco that was so important to that offense. And obviously, if, if Lafleur wants to run the same offense here with the Jets, he's going to need him. Um just go through those three guys real quick. Just just what you kind of like, Adam, and, and what the Jets would be getting if that's the direction they ended up going in, in some way with their, their 10 picks. Yeah, and when I was looking at
1: that fourth-round pick for the Jets, uh, you were right. Hainsy, kind of – his name on my list just kind of alarm ball, uh, bells were going off and, you know, his name was blinking and just – yeah, I love the fit there. He was a right tackle uh, at Notre Dame, four-year starter. Um, but I think a lot of teams are looking at him as a center. Uh, he yeah. could be a really, really good center in this league. Uh, two-time team captain. Uh, he was, uh, I mean, one of, uh, not many two two-year team captains in Notre Dame, um, especially in the, the, Brian Kelly era. So, and he was one of them, um, a lot to like with him. Uh, he's not, not the biggest guy, uh, 32 and, uh, in an eighth uh, inch arms. Uh, and that's one reason why he's going to be moving from tackle inside to guard or center, mm-hmm. but he's a guy that, uh, is really instinctive, you know, right place, right time type of guy. Um, you know, his, his ability to use his feet and his hands at the same time in unison, that is something that allows him to shut down rushers. Uh, he recovers really well. He might give up a step here and there, but his ability to recover and get that uh, get that edge back, get the upper hand, he's it, made it, it made it an art. So he's really good at that. Uh, James Wiggins, uh, really well-coached safety, who tested really well. Uh, you know, he, he's a guy who was banged up a lot this past year, but he looked good at his pro day. He was in 4-4-1 in the 40-yard dash. Uh, a really yes. productive, yeah, really productive background. Um, and you know, you talk to the coaches at Cincinnati, uh, and Coach Fickle, and he he just raves about Wiggins and, and what he can be for an NFL defense. So, uh, big fan there. And then, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head with Ben Mason. It it you can see why he would be uh, a, a player that the Jets would target possibly on day three, a guy that can come in, be that H back, be that. Uh, you know, fullback slash move tight end slash kind of do everything guy. He can play on special teams. I don't think that, you know, necessarily he's on that level that Kyle Juszczyk is, but that's the type of uh, role that yeah. you're envisioning with a guy like this. And Ben Mason's a guy that uh, you tell him to go run through a wall, he's going to do it. He played defensive <laughs> line as a junior just because, you know, he, so they packed on like 30 pounds onto his frame and he played defensive tackle just because they wanted to get his intensity and his competitiveness on
2: the football field. So that's the type of a, a type of player we're talking about with ben Nixon. And last two, obviously the, the jets for the first time are going to be running a 43 defense. So they need some 43 linebackers. That's why you got Isaiah McDuffie out of uh, Boston college in the fifth round or in the sixth round. I'm sorry. Then, you know, we talked obviously about the jets getting, getting Zach blind blindside protector. Why not go get Dax, you know, his, his number one receiver at BYU. And that's a pick, when I started reading about him, man, after I saw – obviously, there's a million players in this draft, so it's impossible to know guys when you're talking about the sixth round, so I rely on you. And when I started reading about him, it made a lot of sense. Yeah, I think you mentioned he, he'd probably ideal guy in the slot. The Jets, obviously, have Jameson Crowder, mm-hmm. but he's somebody who's going to be a free agent next year, probably somebody the Jets might necessarily like to return. If Dax can show something in, in training camp, if he can show something in the preseason, if he can show something in limited reps in the regular season, maybe he's this team's slot receiver. So just kind of go over those final two picks that you have for the Jets.
1: Yeah, McDuffie's a, a speedy linebacker. Not the biggest guy, but he can cover a lot of ground. Uh, he can cover. You love the motor. Uh, you know, son of a coach. Uh, the attitude, the makeup is something that at this point in the draft, yeah, I mean, give give me those guys. And I don't know that you know he, he's going to be a you know a type of starter on defense that you're going to point to and say you know he's a for sure a second contract guy or you know. But at yeah. this point in the draft, you're taking swings. On guys that you know can play special teams, guys that you know uh, what you're going to get day in day out on a player like that, and maybe he will end up hitting. So, uh, you know, that's the reasoning there. And yeah, with Dax Milne, it, it's I'm talking about a former walk on who has earned every inch that he's uh, that he's received. Easy player to like. Obviously, he was uh, the the main target this past year for for Zach Wilson. And just his his hands, uh, just so impressive. You, you just don't see him drop footballs. His ability to track the ball is really, really impressive. Um, it's not just uh, you know he's uh, got the ball skills, but the tracking skills as well. So mm-hmm. he can uh, you know move his body, uh, the body control, uh, really, really impressive. So at some point in the draft, your last pick, Dax Milton is still out there. Why not pair him back up yeah. with Zach Wilson? It's a could be a fit on your on your offense as you look at the slot as you laid out. So it almost makes too much sense that no way it's going to happen. But you know it's fun to talk about.
2: Dane's Draft Big Board, obviously available over on The Athletic. If you subscribe, you get access to that. If you're subscribing for the Big Board, you obviously get Dane's Mock Draft. Dane, thank you. You're the best. I appreciate you coming on here, breaking this down, uh, putting off sleep, I think, for for uh, at least a couple of minutes here to, to ch- talk Jets and talk draft with us. Schedule for uh, the next couple of days, is it ease up at all, or, or is it still uh, hectic and wild and and crazy? A lot of Diet
1: Mountain Dew. Uh, that that's my my drink of choice. Um, you no, know, it's 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 a lot of talking about you know the draft guide and uh, the mock draft and going through these scenarios and talking about these players and how they could fit. And uh, it's a lot of fun. And you know what? No one's going to want to talk to me in May. So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to everybody now in, uh in April when we want to talk about this draft. So uh, but I'm ready for the draft to be here. To be honest, I mean it's it's a lot of talking uh, about these guys. I'm ready to talk about not how they could fit but how they will fit and, you know, talk about the returns for each team. And so can't wait for the draft to be here. It's going to be a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. For, for, when you cover the jets, you usually don't start talking about the draft until at least October, like right around Halloween is when (laughs) when we start looking at mock drafts, but thank you so much for joining us. dude. It's the best as always. Thanks. Thanks Connor. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. You see
0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Connor, we're running out of time, but you were grading Dane's mock draft, which is a fun exercise, I think. So basically... Taking all the picks he says the Jets are going to get, which he admitted will never happen, because of what can happen in a draft? Um, But what kind of grade are you giving Joe Douglas if he goes the Dane Brugler route?
2: Yeah, I think I think it's like a B B plus. I know I, I know I, I messaged Dane and, and let him know I was doing this because like you know we we have to do these reaction pieces to Dane's mock, and so I was thinking like I I can do the analysis picks, but like why does it matter if I give you the analysis of like this is what this player does well? I mean you've got access to the beast that's going to give you 10 times more insight than I could. I mean, Dane does, this is what Dane does. I cover the jets. He covers the draft. So he knows 10 times more about these players than I do right now. So I figured I would grade Dane. Like I'm going to grade Joe Douglas. And like, I used to grade Mike Mcagnus. right after the draft is done. I get the picks. And I say, is this an a, a, a pick a B pick or whatever. And I go through and I, I grade him out. So that story is going to be up on The Athletic tomorrow. I don't want to go into, into too much of the details there with it because I want you guys to be able to read it. and I want you guys to subscribe to read it. I think we probably have some sort of promo going on, which you can find online with a nice little Google one. But I think the only picks that I was different than him and the I gave him a lot of A's and B's. I gave him two C's and the only two C's that I gave him. And these are the only two picks that I'll go into. You guys can read the rest when, when the story runs tomorrow morning. Is on Asante Samuel in the second round. And the only reason that I gave him a C for the Asante Samuel pick, and I told this to him when I was talking to Dane about it, is I love this selection. I love Asante Samuel. I love them getting a first round graded corner in the second round. I gave it a C though, just because the Jets went past rusher in round two. So in my opinion, if you go past rusher or pass if you go past rusher with that second first round pick, that's totally fine. But then you have to address the interior offensive line in the second round. If the Jets had gone interior offensive line at 23, then 100% you can go Asante Samuel or even a pass rusher there in the second round. So just, I find it hard to see the Jets waiting until the third, fourth, or fifth round to go with offensive guard. I think you got to go either at number 23 or the second round. So for that reason and that reason only, I gave him a C a C grade on the Asante Samuel pick. Just didn't like the position, even though I really loved the player. And the other one I gave him a C for is is the Kenneth Gainwell, the running back out of Memphis grade. And, and the reason why I gave him a C there is just, in my opinion, this offense doesn't need a premium drafted running back, which is a premium pick is one of those first three rounds. You don't need a premium drafted running back for this offense to work. Raheem Mostert was a, a practice squad journeyman that the 49ers grabbed. Tevin Coleman was a, a low-level team-friendly signing that the 49ers made. Uh, Matt Breida was an undrafted free agent. Those three guys combined for 1600, 16, 16 touchdowns. In 1,900 rushing yards the years that the 49ers went to the Super Bowl. They don't need names. They need players with a skill set. So that third-round pick, in my opinion, I think you could have gone Wyatt Davis there. I think if he's there at that pick in the third round, you take him over a running back. You grab a tight end. You grab a receiver. I just don't necessarily know if you need a running back there. So aside from that, love so many of his other picks. You can read my breakdown of all of them tomorrow morning on The Athletic. The only two that I had concerns about is Sante Samuel just because the jets didn't go guard or interior offensive line at number 23, and then going with a running back in the third round.
0: All right. If you need access to the athletics, so you can read Connor's grades, the great beast from Dane Brugler, his mock draft, all of that stuff. You can sign up right now for just three ninety-nine per month. Go to the athletic.com slash. Can't wait. That way we get credit for it. So that's bonus points. If you use that link to get your subscription to the athletic, just three really?
2: ninety-nine per month. Yeah. If you guys oh, all you subscribe, get... maybe we can get Marissa a microphone and a computer that doesn't explode. I love. I swear when we're Connor not gonna have a pod things, mom. Like, we're gonna, Marissa's really? gonna be sitting here. Marissa's gonna be sitting here on the computer. Office and her old thing's gonna. We're gonna we're gonna be like one of those things where her face is like all the smoke on it, and the hair is in like seven different no directions. And blow, she's getting married. We, blow can't,
0: we can't have that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you show the rock. I'm it, surprised you keep seeing her hand. She hasn't showed her hand much because her, her left hand lift is all way down. She can't. She can't lift it. She's got like a ten pound rock on there.
0: All right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, We are going to be back with you every week between now and the draft. Um, So we'll keep bringing you the content. Dane Brugler this week. We'll have more great stuff coming up next week. Thanks for tuning in on YouTube or Apple, wherever you are listening to the Can't Wait podcast. Please review us if you can as well. And we'll talk to you again next week.